Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including a special guest, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about major cases pending before the Supreme Court. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It's February the 21st and on this day in 1972, in an amazing turn of events, President Richard Nixon took a dramatic step forward in normalizing relationships with the Communist People's Republic of China, PRC, by traveling to Beijing for a week of talks. Nixon's historic visit began with slow process of the reestablishing diplomatic relations between the United States and the Communist China. Still mired in an unpopular and frustrating Vietnam War in 1971, Nixon surprised the American people by announcing a planned trip to the PRC in 1972. The United States had never stopped formally recognizing the PRC after Mao Zedong's uh, successful communist revolution of 1949. In fact, the two nations had been bitter enemies. PRC and United States troops uh, fought the Korea in Korea during the early 50s, and Chinese aid and advisors supported North Vietnam in its war against the United States. Nixon seemed an, an unlikely candidate to thaw those chilly relations. During the 1940s and 50s, he had been a vocal cold warrior and condemned the Democrat administration of Harry S. Truman for losing China to the communists in 1949. The situation had changed dramatically since that time, though. In Vietnam, the Soviets, not the Chinese, had become the most significant supporters of the North Vietnamese regime, and the war in Vietnam was not going well. The American people were impatient for an end to the conflict, and it was becoming increasingly apparent that the United States might not be able to save its allies, South Vietnam, from its communist aggressors. <clears throat> Excuse me. The American uh, fear of a monolithic communist bloc had been modified as the war of words and occasional uh, border conflicts erupted between the Soviet Union and PRC in the 60s. Nixon and the National Security Advisor Henry Kissinger saw a unique opportunity in these circumstances. Diplomatic overtures to PRC might make the Soviet Union more malleable to U.S. policy requests such as pressuring the North Vietnam Vietnamese to sign a peace treaty acceptable to the United States. In fact, Nixon was scheduled to travel to meet Soviet leader Leonard uh, Brezhnev shortly after completing his visit to China. Nixon's trip to China, therefore, was a, a move calculated to drive an even deeper wedge between the two most significant communist powers. The United States could use closer diplomatic relationships with China as leverage in dealing with the Soviets, particularly on the issue of Vietnam, in addition, the United States might be able to uh, make use of the Chinese as a counterweight to North Vietnam. Despite their claims of socialist solidarity, and the PRC and North Vietnam were at best strong, suspicious allies, as historian uh, Walter Lefebvre said, instead of using Vietnam to contain China, Nixon used and concluded he had a better use to use China to contain Vietnam. 
For its part, the PRC was desirous of another ally in its increasingly tense relationship with the Soviet Union and certainly welcomed the possibility of increased U.S.-China trade. Of course, they ended up with a favored nation status and <laughs> really abused the relationship with the United States. Uh, they had a lot of promise, but of, of course, uh, the PRC uh, cheated in its relationship with the United States. U.S. stocks, uh, the markets closed lower yesterday, and right now futures are, I'm going to just say, kind of mixed and uh, not positive at all, but uh, we'll see how today turns out. In a bold declaration that could have a significant impact on war in Gaza, Israel issued a stern ultimatum to Hamas, release the hostages or spend Ramadan dodging Israeli rockets. This development came as the Israeli Defense Forces, or IDF, are working to rescue hostages taken during the uh, October 7th surprise attack on Israel. To those saying the price of an offensive is too high, I say this very clearly. Hamas has a choice. They can surrender release the hostages, and the citizens of Gaza will be able to celebrate the holy holiday of Ramadan, of course, said uh, Netanyahu. I I appreciate uh, his strong leadership in Israel right now in the face of a lot of noise and criticism from around the world. Well, during a town hall moderated by Fox News' Laura Ingram, Uh, uh, This is last night. Former President Donald Trump said he was ready to debate President Biden now. I'll do it right now on your show. I'll challenge him right now, Trump said, suggesting an openness to various moderators, including those from CNN and other networks that are hostile towards him. The former president has declined debates with Republican candidates for the 2024 primaries, seems to be set of sights beyond his party's nomination and straight on to the rematch with Biden. With the South Carolina GOP primarily, primary set for the 24th this Saturday, Trump appears confident in his ability to secure the nomination and gearing up for the anticipated national election face-off. Trump remarked that on an inevitability of debates in the election cycle, implying that the American people expect the final nominees of both parties to participate. When you have the final Republican and final Democrat, you have the two people uh, you have to have debates regardless, he said. It's only fair to the American people, he said. In response to Ingram's inquiry on how many debates Trump would commit to, he responded with a playful, as many as necessary. However, he also cast doubt on whether Biden would accept such challenges. Uh, President Biden, who previously asked about debating Trump, responded with levity, acknowledging Trump's eagerness and downplaying the imperative of early commitments to debates. And while three presidential debates have already been scheduled for the 2024 cycle, their occurrence hinges on the candidate's agreement to participate. Uh, President uh, Trump holds nine-point lead over Biden in the latest national poll. That came out last night with 14% of Democrats. Get this, 14% of Democrat voters supporting Trump. That's an amazing, amazing statistic. Excuse me, please. Well, WikiLeaks founder Julian Hassange will make what could be his final court appearance. May he made it yesterday in his long-running appeal against extradition to the United States, where he's accused of leaking thousands of classified military documents. Assange has been in London's high-security prison since his arrest in 2019, and the British government approved an order to extradite him in 2022. Assange, who's 52 now, can you believe it, after all these years, faces 17 counts uh, brought under the Espionage Act and one account charge under the computer misuse. 
the alleged allegations stem from a 2010 document dump of classified information exposing abuses and civilian casualties during the U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Many of the documents were uh, provided by the former intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning, who was allegedly assisted by Assange in hacking a military computer. Assange has argued that the leak should be protected under the First Amendment because he was actually a journalist at the time. The U.S. says the relative release puts lives in danger. The Australian national faces up to 175 years in prison and up to five years for computer misuse. The Australian Parliament is calling on the United States and the U.K. to release Assange. This is uh, all coming to uh, head into fruition. Some people think he's a hero. Some think he's uh, a traitor. Uh, I think what he did probably really helped to inform the American people. And it's, if, if he's a traitor, he certainly has his good side and was helpful to the American people in understanding uh, what's happening in uh, international relations. <clears throat> well, the United States Supreme Court yesterday declined to review a case challenging the use of socioeconomic factors in the admission criteria at a prestigious Northern Virginia high school a group of parents claimed the policy discriminates against Asian Americans. Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Alexandria, often named among the best U.S. high schools, overhauled its admission policy in 2020 to increase diversity without explicitly, explicitly considering race. Uh, the changes included nixing an ex uh, entrance exam and prioritizing the top 1.5% of the 8th grade class at each of the district's middle schools. Under the new system, the freshman class in 2021 included 54% Asian Americans and students, down from 73%, 7% black students, up for 1%, and 11% Hispanic students, up from 3%. In the current school year, uh, those offered admissions included 61% of Asian Americans, 6.7% black, and uh, 6% Hispanic students. The Supreme Court's action leaves in place an appeal court ruling the uh, court's ruling that followed the new policy didn't show a racial desperate, disparate uh, effort on Asian-American students. Associate Justice Alice uh, Alito was not happy with the decision. He was wrote a dissenting opinion, even though the new policy bore more heavily on Asian-American applicants because it diminishes their chances of admission while improving the chances of every other racial group, the Fourth Circuit majority held that there was no disparate impact because they still overrepresented the school's student body, Alito wrote in his dissent, which was joined by Clarence Thomas. This is indefensible, he said. The Fourth Circuit's decision is based on a theory that is flagrantly wrong and should not be allowed to stand. And I just so totally agree with that. Affirmative action is uh, the bane of our existence in modern-day America and should be abolished in every way possible. Let's have a com competition based on uh, what's really going on in terms of uh, the uh, the quality and uh, of the student as opposed to their race or color or anything else. That would be my opinion. Well, astronomers have identified what is believed to be the most luminous object in the universe, roughly 12 billion light years away, according to a study released yesterday. The seven light year wide quasar, which is also powered by the fastest growing black hole observed to date, is said to be 500 trillion times brighter than the sun. 500 times 
much brighter than the sun. Quasars, which is abbreviation for quasi-stellar radio source, are a, a type of highly active, extremely bright galaxy core produced by the powerful effects of supermassive black holes. Over one million have been observed in the universe with the nearest roughly 600 million light years away. The quasar, first spotted in 1980, was initially misclassified as a star because it was so bright and only confirmed to be a quasar last year. The Australian-led team claims that the quasar's black hole consumes, get this, the quasar's black hole consumes the equivalent of 350 suns each year and has a mass roughly 18 billion times that of the sun. In addition, astronomers discovered the Milky Way's Radcliffe Wave, a 9,000 light-year-long gas structure actively birthing new stars, it itself oscillating back and forth in space. Can you imagine? We're just tiny specks in the universe here on the Earth, not just individually, but the entire globe. When you think about the massive nature of the, of the universe out there, it's just unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of Elections. Tim's a 33-year resident of Cuyahoga County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, a graduate of the FBI National Academy, and a, a pretty terrific guy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Cuyahoga County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Cuyahoga County Supervisor of elections. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. and dedicated to defending property rights and free markets, securing individual liberty, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Uh, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about the courses pending in front of the Supreme Court in this particular term. Uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the Supreme Court decided not to take uh, the case of the Alexandria uh, School, really outstanding high school, uh, f- uh, with regard to, I'm going to call it affirmative action, I just want to get your thoughts on that. This is uh, Thomas Jefferson High School. It's an elite, highly competitive public magnet school in the Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C., and they have a new admissions policy. Instead of uh, previously using standardized tests, uh, Thomas Jefferson says it now bases admissions on factors such as uh, geography, income, and even native language. Uh, The plaintiffs in that case say that those factors are really just proxies for race Mm. and that the school officials actually admitted that racial balancing was the rationale for changing uh, their admissions policy. Well, as a result of the new policy, uh, black students did increase their admissions from 1% to 7%. Uh, Hispanic representation went up from 3% to 11%. Right. But Asian Americans decreased from 73%. Imagine 73% because of the elite admissions policy. That down dropped almost 20 percentage points, down to 54%. So this was reviewed. The Fourth Court, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals said that the new policy was okay because Virginia had a legitimate interest in diversity. Well, since then, the affirmative action case at Harvard and the University of North Carolina came down from the Supreme Court, and the court declared that diversity is no longer a compelling interest. Right. So the plaintiffs in this case, in the Thomas Jefferson case, sought Supreme Court review, and they had high expectations that uh, because of the Harvard and UNC cases that they might get some relief. But yesterday, uh, to my uh, dismay, um, the court declined to, to step in. I frankly don't know quite what the reason was. Only Alito, uh, I think only Alito objected. Sometimes we don't really know what the votes are mm-hmm. when they simply declined certiorari. But in any event, uh, it looks like Thomas Jefferson will not get 
the relief it wanted, although I would su- assume that the, uh, there will be continued vigilance on the extent to which these so-called proxies uh, are used to really affect an affirmative action program, which the Supreme Court has said is no longer permissible. Well, thank you for that, Bob. I, I do wonder, do, could it be that perhaps there's another case that will be more inclusive of that particular issue? or uh, It just doesn't make sense to me that they decline to hear the case. Yeah, I don't get it either, and uh, particularly since the affirmative action case uh, was a very strong opinion and declared uh, point-blank diversity is no longer deemed to be a compelling interest unless and the uh, school can show that that there is indeed uh, serious matters to be addressed by the affirmative action program and that they've narrowly tailored the program so that it doesn't sweep more broadly uh, than necessary. Uh, I don't believe Thomas Jefferson has made that showing, but now the court says that it doesn't have to make that showing. Too bad. Well, thank you for that summary, Bob. So let's move back to the cases that are pending here in front of the Supreme Court. So far, the feds haven't been able to tax unrealized gains. Is that now up for grabs? Yeah. Um, More specifically, it's whether Congress can tax income earned overseas but not repatriated to the United States. Hmm. So basically, you know, the Constitution uh, authorizes three types of federal taxes. There are income taxes that are specifically authorized by the 16th Amendment. There are indirect taxes on asset transfers and sales, for example, a gasoline tax, excise tax. They have to be uniform across the states. And then there are direct taxes. They are applied to individuals or their property, and they have to be apportioned to the states by population. So Floridians, you know, in the aggregate, would be assessed about twice the total amount of a say, a federal property tax, that Georgians would be assessed because we have twice the population that Georgia has. So that's why we don't have a federal property tax. The Moors, in this case, they argue that a tax on their foreign earnings is not an income tax uh, because the earnings haven't been realized through repatriation. And they argue that a property tax on those earnings can't qualify as a direct tax because it hasn't been apportioned by population. The federal government then points out, well, look, there are other types of earnings that are taxed even when the income isn't received by investors, like, for example, uh, the undistributed capital gains of mutual funds. So that argument suggests a possible compromise for the court, Hmm. and that is to allow non-repatriated earnings to be taxed on the ground that the earnings, even though they haven't been received by the shareholders, they've been constructively uh, realized by the underlying uh, corporate entity. If the court goes uh, for that compromise, uh, that would be, I think, uh, not a good thing. Well, I would agree. It sounds very threatening and ominous to me, but how is this court uh, case going to turn out? Are we going to end up with a wealth tax? Well, I hope that this will halt the crusade to adopt a federal wealth tax, and that's what's really going on here. Elizabeth Warren would like to tax all wealth, including unrealized gains. She hopes that this case will advance her trillion-dollar redistributionist agenda, even though, until now, federal taxes on property have been deemed unconstitutional by most 
legal experts. So, you know, never mind that a wealth tax would create a lot of other problems. How do you value illiquid assets such as art or privately held companies? Uh, whether you should include the present value of pension funds. And why, most importantly, why should the same income be taxed a fourth time? Right. It's already been subject to taxes on corporate earnings, dividends when they're distributed, and, of course, the investor's estate. So it's no wonder that Sweden, Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, they all tried and then abandoned wealth taxes. Both the Constitution and good economics uh, say we should follow their lead. No question, Bob. It's so ominous and threatening in so many different ways. You just can't believe that the progressives... Okay. And, of course, when you take a look at the Laffer curve and all the other evidence, it suggests that the lower the tax rate, the higher the income to the to the taxing authority. Indeed, yeah. Although, you know, from a libertarian perspective, the last thing we want to do is maximize the income <laughs> to the government. Uh, so the, re- the, the real issue should be the proper taxation is that amount which is necessary to fund the sorts of things that government ought to be doing and is constitutionally authorized to do, and no more. You know, And if that means you're on one side of the Laffer curve or the other, so be it. So, so well said. Bob Levy, again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. C-A-T-O dot org is the website. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. All right, coming up, Professor Andrew Jopp of that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show. Are you seeking new customers or contacts for your business? Why not promote your business to our loyal listeners? Join Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, the Collier Senior Center, Lulabee's Diner, and many others who've been advertising on the show, in many cases, for years. The rates are reasonable, and there's no required long-term commitments or contracts. Let me help you promote your business to our loyal listeners here on The Bob Harden Show. Visit the website, bobharden.com, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. That's bobharden at hotmail.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I got carried away with my conversation with our next guest. (laughs) 
podcast and wasn't paying attention. Nevertheless, uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at, uh, uh, at Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. And uh, we usually start our interview with a quote or two or perhaps some good news. Well, I, I have sort of a quote. Let, let me get to it in a second. Let me just start out with a comment for, of information for your audience. I had seen the movie Oppenheimer in the movie theater, uh, enjoyed it, but I could not hear all the dialogue, and I understand that was true of, of many people who watched that movie. I just rewatched it on a streaming service, and with a closed caption availability, uh, the movie became much more meaningful to me. So huh. I would just suggest that uh, if anybody uh, has not seen Oppenheimer with closed caption, if there was a problem, it, it is well worth seeing with that because the dialogue is, is, is very specific and very meaningful. That's just a point in passing, Bob. Well, thank you for uh, that, As far as a quote for today, I just want to cite... Um, uh, Ayn Rand, who I, I, I really uh, enjoy Ayn Rand's uh, philosophic uh, writings in her novels, um, and she had a title of one of her novels called Atlas Shrugged, and mm -hmm. that's my quotation for today, just the, the, the words Atlas Shrugged. Uh, certainly it refers to the uh, original uh, mythology of Atlas bearing the weight on his shoulders, um, and using that as a metaphor, she uh, described she described the creative people of the world bearing the weight on their shoulders, being attacked constantly, uh, and eventually shrugging, uh, giving, uh, getting rid of that load, so to speak, Bob. And so I, I think we're seeing that today. It's not in the same form that Rand proposed, which is they go on strike. I think it's a, it's in the form that the people of creativity are giving up and just becoming part of the problem. So uh, I think it's worth considering getting back to Rand uh, and the concept specifically of, of Atlas Shrugging, Bob. Well, you know, when you when you were speaking about that, I immediately thought of Donald Trump actually being the central character and Atlas Shrugged, <laughs> because uh, most of the things that are happening, the attack on the, on the people who are the most uh, productive and courageous, uh, well, that would be, in my opinion, Donald Trump right now. Instead, uh, they're attacking him, not by going on strike, but rather by they're attacking him with lawfare. Yeah, I mean, certainly, and not only can we look at Donald Shrug as uh, Donald Shrug, as Donald Trump being a major uh, type of uh, presentation in Atlas Shrugged, but also in the Fountainhead and Hank Reardon and his in his battle against the uh, the general society in terms of what they try to do to him. So uh, I think there's certainly uh, still a lot of extracted value from Ayn Rand. Uh, I believe as of 2017, if I'm correct. Uh, Atlas Shrugged was still the second best-selling novel in this country. So that's quite an amazing accomplishment for a, uh, a piece of work that's, uh, at this point, 70 years old, Bob. Uh, absolutely. And, of course, uh, to me, one of the best pieces of, of literature at all, I think it was Atlas Shrugged, uh, Shrugged was the, the speech on money. Oh, absolutely. That that was one of her, her major focuses on uh, in that the the importance of money, the value of it, not just uh, as money for the accumulation of it, but uh, as a unit of exchange, as a way of defining value, as uh, as a way of, uh, of of extracting value from from physical objects and turning them into a a unit of exchange. Bob, so I mean, she really handled the issue of money beautifully, and uh, very few. And by the way, I use that quite a bit. I won't. Re I don't refer to Ayn Rand specifically necessarily, but I, I use Ayn Rand's views on money a lot when I'm talking in my 
uh, in my college classes, Bob. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, Andy. Any other good news? Uh, good news. Well, I, I watched Donald Trump last night on the Laura Ingram um, town hall. I thought he, uh, he he looked good. He sounded good. I thought that he his his, his positions were uh, were well founded, as always. By the way, uh, Laura Ingram was of course condemned for suggesting that uh, that Donald Trump may become the first political prisoner in America, and uh, the, the the media and the the internet, as they as they frame it. Uh, condemn that wildly. Uh, how dare she suggest that he's a political prisoner or might become one? Uh, and yet we can see all of this with Engeran and the uh, the the absurd lawsuit uh, that was brought in by Letitia James, the uh, the pending lawsuits about uh, classified documents and so forth. Yes, I mean he hasn't reached the status of a political prisoner yet. But certainly that is on the verge of happening, and I think it's certainly within the desire of the left to have it happen. So for them to reject out of hand the concept, I think, is a bit, uh, is a bit duplicitous, Bob. I would agree to that. I, I must say, just from my uh, standpoint, uh, I admire so much the skills of Tucker Carlson and his ability to interview. I thought Laura Ingram last night did a pretty poor job. She was interrupting him constantly, changing topics and so forth. I think he handled it well. I don't think she did. Yeah, I, I thought Laura Ingram with uh, one uh, interjection was unnecessary. Uh, Donald Trump was pointing out the obvious that uh, uh, large-scale mailed-out ballots creates fraud, and she said, well, in Florida, you, uh, you won, and there was, there was mailed-out ballots. Now, Florida was a different state than, than uh, almost any other state in the Union, right. so uh, certainly that, uh, <clears throat> the exception perhaps proved, uh, proved the rule there, Bob. Right. Uh, so I thought that was an unnecessary interjection, and you're right. I mean, her, her constant... Uh, in- interruptions, I thought, broke uh, his flow. I-, I thought he still came across with a, uh, a high degree of awareness of the situations that America faces, Bob. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, one, one more piece of good news. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's good news. I'm not really positive. Uh, Elon Musk has uh, said that in his uh, company, Neuralink, uh, Neuralink, uh, that he's created a circumstance where a patient of his can control a computer mouse with only the power of their brain. Now, this is, uh, I'm sure Elon Musk has documented this. I haven't seen that documentation. But I think if we're looking at something that's the future, uh-huh. I think with Elon Musk, with brain implants, being able to produce external results, which is exactly what he, he says he's done with Neuralink, uh, I think we're looking at a future. So when I say I don't know if it's good news, uh, I think with that in mind, I'm not sure where this will lead, but uh, it has great potentials, I would say that. Absolutely. Here, so for somebody who's uh, quadriplegic, totally paralyzed, and able to express themselves, to be able to move a, 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 a and to make his thoughts become meaningful in terms of physical uh, movement, I think is just an incredible feat. And Elon Musk, I mean, he's got so many businesses, those that we don't even talk about, but he's, he's just an amazing man. You know, he said, it does not make sense to uh, take the job of capital allocation away from the people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in capital allocation, which is the government. I mean, if you think of government essentially as a corporation in the in the limit, the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence, and when you have no recourse, so how much money do you want to give to that entity? 
What I, I think you just, with intent perhaps, uh, uh, redocumented the concept of Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, Bob. I think that's exactly what you're describing. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about government as a better recipient of our, uh, of, our, of our capital funds than is the actual person who produced those capital funds, uh, I think it's, it's an absurdity to believe that people with no experience in that area are better able to use those monies than the person who actually made them to start with, Bob. No question. And by the way, just for our listeners' audience uh, awareness, uh, Elon Musk has now been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for being a staunch defender of free speech, which I think is pretty cool. I hope he gets it. I doubt it, but I, I hope he, he's <laughs> certainly entitled to it, Bob. We'll, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, Andy, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting uh, network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Andy. So any more good news for us? 
Uh, not good news necessarily, but two stories I want to mention in passing before we get into the uh, the Putin and uh, Tucker Carlson interview. Uh, France just passed a a bill indicating that it is a it is a, a crime to abandon accepted therapeutic or prophylactic medical treatment. The fine for abandoning that accepted treatment is a, f- a year imprisonment and a fine of fifteen thousand euros. That is, if you reject the accepted medical treatment for a uh, specific illness that you're suffering through, the government can arrest you, Bob, put you in jail for one year, and fine you 15,000 euros. Uh, whether that's the future of, of the entirety of the European continent, that coming out of France, or it expands to the, to the United States, again, this is the type of story that, uh, that sometimes foretells the future. So uh, I hope that's not true, but we're looking at a very, very authoritarian move by the French government as it pertains to health care. Before I move on, let me just mention Roland Fryer, a Harvard, a Harvard professor, uh, had a study uh, that he did twice, actually, indicating that he found absolutely no bias yeah. in police shootings as it pertains to African Americans. And, of course, Roland Fryer has been excoriated uh, by the press, has been reduced to capacity at Harvard uh, as a result of this finding. Uh, no one has disputed the finding, per se, all they've done is attacking, as attack Fryer for having made the finding itself, Bob. So I think that's an interesting story. I think it indicates many of the stories that pertain to race right now in America, Bob. It is so true, and it's so scary to think that uh, again. It's the it's kind of like uh, mob rule is what it amounts to. Is that uh, instead of having one perhaps one person, a scientist who is the, the uh, in in descent of the descending vote, that ends up coming up with a new theory or new discovery, a new hypothesis for solving problems. It's all about mob rule. Whoever whoever has the highest or the loudest voice ends up getting their way. That's what it's that represents. Impo- absolutely, absolutely true, Bob. It's impossible to believe we can move on when Fryer... Uh, has this study. He's, he's originally attacked for the study. He does it again with a new set of investigators. They come up with exactly the same documented, scientifically documented conclusion of lack of bias in police shootings as it pertains to African Americans. And again, he gets attacked and excoriated for that finding. Uh, so in a society like ours right now, where truth doesn't matter, only the perceived value of the truth uh, as revealed by the elite, whoever they may be, uh, seems to be the that defining element of modern America right now, Bob. Yeah, and, and your first story about the uh, uh, in France, and if you don't follow the recommended procedure, you can end up spending a year in jail with a big fine and so forth. That is just, I mean, it, it is just totally unacceptable. What will happen to medical privacy and the ability to have an exchange uh, with your doctor who's supposed to do no harm? It kind of, it, it kind of. Uh, emasculates the doctors, doesn't it? Well, there's no doubt. When I read the story originally, I, I, it just sounded unreasonable that it, it would even happen. I, I did some subsequent research, and yes, a well-documented story, an actual bill that was passed by the French legislature that pertains to exactly the way you've, uh, you've redefined that, Bob. Uh, just atrocious. Thank God. I mean, he, under uh, Trump, we actually had, uh, if there's a new procedure out, you're, you're uh, 
uh, going to end up dying from what you have, you know, well, let's go ahead and give it a try, even though it's not recommended currently. So, And, uh, and it totally denies the individuality of the patient who may, by their nature of their history, their current medical circumstance, be inappropriate as a recipient of a, uh, a let's say, an accepted medical treatment uh, as defined by the government. So in this situation, it is actually forcing on patients a treatment that may be knowingly damaging to that patient uh, because they now are required, regardless of any other circumstance, to follow that treatment, Bob. That is just, uh, well, it's mind-numbing. It's just so stupid. But nevertheless, let's move on. Uh, so uh, Tucker Carlson is one of my, in fact, he's, he's a truth teller, and I really value whatever he has to say. Uh, he's done some terrific interviews Uh his most recent, one of his most recent, of course, is with Putin. I was wondering if you've seen the interview and what your thoughts might be. Well, I mean, he was excoriated even when he was just going to to uh, to Russia to interview Putin. Uh, certainly, immediately after, he was again attacked as being a a Putin dupe. Now, uh, look, Tucker Carlson went into a an extended interview with with uh, with Putin. Uh, I saw the interview. I have read the entirety of the transcript. Uh, I then yesterday watched the interview uh, that Glenn Beck had with uh, with Tucker dealing with that interview and other issues also. Uh, and certainly, uh, th- th- there's no way Carlson was duped. There is there was no way he was going to challenge every nuance of thought offered by Putin during that extended interview. Um, as as we look at that interview today, uh, I think that although certainly there is significant question as to the uh, the accuracy of Putin's recounting of 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 uh, Ukraine history primarily, uh, the history of Russia uh, also being uh, seriously uh, thrown into doubt. But I think what the Western media and Western uh, politicians have ignored is the essential points that were being offered uh, by Putin that need to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the main thing, if we, if we get back to 1991-92 when uh, the Soviet Union first dissolved and it fell into the uh, the hands at that point of Yeltsin, uh, Putin described the the way the uh, the the West and, and its media and politicians attacked Yeltsin as being a reprobate, uh, tried to dismiss him as being uh, having any significance at, at all. Uh, so what Putin was suggesting is that from early on, with the recreation of Russia post the dissolve of the USSR, that the West was dedicated to trying to alienate Russia. He then picks up that, uh, that story in the year 2000 when he became president of, of Russia uh, and basically said, and I think there's documentation to a large extent for these things, that he had asked for access into NATO himself. Right. Uh, not himself, but Russia itself. Uh, that was rejected. He also wanted to become part of a Euro-American uh, uh, joint um, missile defense pact and that also was rejected. So Putin's basic point was that from the point of becoming Russia again in 1992, it uh, intended to try to become part of uh, the Western nations. It wanted to join them economically. He wanted to join them philosophically. Right. And yet there was significant unnecessary pushback from the very moment it came into being uh, to try to prevent that from happening. I, I think that is an undeniable point that, uh, that, that Putin made. If we look at the expansion of, of NATO uh, from 1991 forward, 31, uh, let's see, 31 countries now in NATO, um, 
that when they added 15 new members since 1991, uh, the majority of them on the Russian border. Now, you already have a, a semi-paranoid state in Russia. Historically, it's always been paranoid, with good reason, by the way. Hitler invaded, uh, Napoleon invaded, and so forth. We know that background is, is certainly true. Uh, but the West, uh, for unknown reasons, I'd have to say, Bob, uh, decided that it wanted to turn Russia into an enemy. Uh, I think they perhaps have succeeded. I think we've seen that picked up with the uh, the uh, the CIA act activities in the 2014 uh, coup overthrow of overthrow of a uh, a president of Ukraine who was favorite who favored Russia. I, I think we can look at the entire history of this process. And certainly there's no defense that can be offered for the violation of Ukraine borders. So I'm, I'm not even suggesting that was justified in, in the full sense of the word. But if we're looking at uh, the way the United States would have acted with the potentiality of bases and missile sites being put right on our Mexican border, as the, as the case might have been, I'm only creating a hypothetical, I think we would have seen quite comparable right. uh, uh, reactions <laughs> from this country. Uh, even I, I could see the Monroe Doctrine being invoked as a as a way of pushing back against this, even militarily, if if necessary. So I'm not suggesting that Putin uh, is some truth teller. He, I think, uh, by all indications, he fabricated. Uh, I don't know if he knowingly fabricated, but he fabricated part of the Russian history, particularly as it pertained to Ukraine. But the essential points. The willingness of the West, the intent of the West to alienate Russia, I think can be well documented. And I think that question has to be asked and answered, because I think it is perhaps right now the critical question, especially as recently, Bob, we're reading about the, uh, the creation of a, 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 a space-based uh, nuclear capability, uh, a satellite nuclear capability uh, that Russia has said that they have, they have implemented. So we're looking at a, a very serious situation. I would suggest uh, that uh, forgetting the Ukraine specifics, but the intent of the West to alienate Russia, I think that is a, a well-documented issue, and I think we have to really and seriously look at that situation, Bob. I agree with that. And, of course, you would hope that the deliberative uh, body, the uh, legislature, uh, you know, what you see uh, under these circumstances now is that uh, people accusing Putin, and uh, it's just like, let's put a black hat on him and a white hat on, uh, on Zelensky, and uh, refusing to have a dialogue and understanding about what's really going on, that to me is extremely dangerous. And, and unfortunately, I must say, I'm not suggesting and not, de not defending Putin, but all I'm saying is people refuse to truly understand the situation because the vehemence of the emotion involved. Well, I, look, I, I obviously totally agree with that. I think if we're looking at the, the way the media had, and our government, own government, has handled this, this discussions about Ukraine, uh, they've avoided what uh, everyone can understand is true, the, uh, the deep corruption of the uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, oligarchy, uh, the, the suppression of the free press in Ukraine, the suppression of political opposition in Ukraine. So this is not some ideal state that has, uh, that has offered uh, any sense of real freedom and dignity to, right. its, to its citizens. Uh, I would not suggest that if Russia took over Ukraine, it would be better. But I do think this statement can be made, Bob. Uh, I have heard a number used, and I'm not sure of the accuracy of it, that 500,000 Ukrainian men, young men, 
have died in the process of defending Ukraine from Russia. That is an enormous number. Even if it's the approximation of accuracy, it is an enormous number. How long will we continue to fund this surrogate war against Russia? And I see it as a surrogate war. Perhaps I even see it as a mercenary war. Mercenary in the sense that I believe that we are paying Ukraine to become our surrogate and the sacrificial offering is the death of tens of thousands of Ukrainian men. I think that situation cannot be allowed to persist. I think we're, our politicians who advocate for this uh, really, um, I, I, I don't understand why they're not offering some possibility of solution. Yeah. Uh, let me, let, before I lose track of the thought, uh, certainly right after Tucker Carlson's interview, uh, the death of Navalny took place in the, uh, the prison camp in which he was incarcerated. Um, this, of course, was immediately assigned to, uh, to Putin, as they describe him, the bloodthirsty monster Putin. Um, and in all likelihood, it was Putin. There's no doubt. And I'm not, I'm not going to deny that obvious type of statement. But let's look at the, the question of Cui Bono, who, who benefited to me, with the pending financial uh, bill in Congress of $60 billion for Ukraine, I would ask the question, why would Putin at that moment yeah. decide to kill Navalny when obviously it would contribute to the eventual passing of that funding bill for Ukraine? That particular fact makes absolutely no sense to me. P Putin would have gained nothing from a tightly controlled Navalny dying in a controlled situation, Bob. And I think it's worth asking the question, what was the CIA up to at the time? It's always a, it's always <laughs> Andy, a, it's we need always to take, a question we, worth, worth asking, Bob. Yes, it is. Let me, uh, let, we need to take a little break. Thank I'll you, Andy. Okay. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We continue the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always good to be here, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. So uh, any other observations about Putin's uh, interview with... Well, uh, let me just, uh, sort of a subset of this, when uh, Tucker was being interviewed by Glenn Beck yesterday, uh, Glenn Beck asked him about uh, Carlson's view on the, uh, the controlling elite of America and uh, basically, uh, Tucker said that he, he's not against a, a ruling group of people in a given country. It is, he isn't offering a blanket condemnation of the, the very design of our society and our culture. He is condemning those people in it, the current decision makers in, our, in, that, in that concept. So he, I think that what Glenn Beck was trying to get to was was, Glenn, was uh, Tucker Carlson condemning the United States, and, and Tucker made it clear he was not. He was condemning the people who were the current operatives in the United States. Right. And let, let me just return to uh, where we were before. And, uh, this is something that, that I've said over the last, I'm going to say, three decades in, in terms of my political involvement. The biggest foreign policy disaster in this country has been the alienation of Russia from the West. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to happen, Bob. Right. Uh, and I'm going to uh, cloak it in this uh, prior discussion uh, about Tucker Carlson and the ruling class. It's our ruling class and its arrogance and its greed and ideological blindness helped make that happen, if not being causal in it happening. Uh, so in my estimation, this is the, uh, the major story that should be discussed, that it happened under the uh, under the directorship of the ruling elite of America over an extended period of time for unknown purposes, and it's still going on today. We saw that picked up in 2016 with Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, as it stands right now, uh, instead of discussing China, that it seems to be, by every measurement, the most significant threat to, uh, to America and the West in its entirety, the focus is, is maintained on Russia. Uh, they continue to talk about Russian expansionism. During the interview with, uh, with Carlson, he, uh, Putin was asked about his expansionist intent. Now, this is his words, of course, uh, so we have to take that into account. Uh, but when asked, did he have any expansionist intent specifically, for example, for Poland? He said, no, only if he's attacked by Poland. Right. Uh, so if we're looking at the, uh, the European continent, it's, a, it's got uh, about ten times the population, or five times the population of, of Russia. I think that's, that's wrong. I, I'm losing track of the numbers. A much huger economy uh, than is Russia. So to suggest that Europe cannot defend itself from a country that is already documented that militarily it's a paper tiger as it, as it pertains to the military operations in, in Ukraine, uh, I think that is a faulty and very manipulative premise that has been constantly thrust forward to the American people, Bob. Absolutely, Andy. I just really appreciate your commentary. I agree with you 100% on, the, on this. And, you know, one of the things, thoughts I have is 
It'd be great. We just had, saw the uh, NASCAR, the uh, Indianapolis 500, whatever race it was that just occurred. These guys wear uniforms with decals on, on where they get their financial support. I think that should be required for people in Congress. They should have to <laughs> wear, wear decals on their suits about where they get all their money, pretty much to tell the story about why they support what they support. I think most of them wouldn't have enough room on their suits to fit all the <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Talk soon, Bob. All right, thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show i hope you enjoyed it we've got some great guests lined up for tomorrow as well i always appreciate the, the fact that you listen to the show and it means a lot to me and it means a lot to our advertisers if you enjoy the show i hope you pass the word on i hope you make it a great day on the paradise coast or wherever you are namaste so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.